Well, welcome back, everyone, to our Doctrine podcast here at Calvary Fellowship Church. We are on um, salvation, so we just got done talking about sin, and this week 13 in our Doctrine series, we are on salvation. So guys, as we do most weeks, let's just kind of go around and introduce ourselves. We have a full house here. Uh, we have four uh, godly men that I really respect, and they're going to give some insight. But guys, just go ahead and introduce yourself, and then we'll get going. What up, guys? I am Adam. I am... Uh the communication coordinator here at Calvary. Hey, it's Eli, production coordinator. Y'all doing? Hey, this is uh, Nate Reeser, uh, back. I guess I didn't script too bad last week. They invited me back, so glad yeah. to be here. Glad you're here, Dan. Made, Made the cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm John. I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary. So, guys, we were on salvation. What stood out to you this past Sunday uh, with the message here on salvation? Anything that kind of got you thinking? I like how like short and concise he made it. That really stood out to me because he said like this isn't complicated, yeah. and he didn't want to like spend a bunch of time making it complicated. He was like, nope, it's four points, and he hit them, and that was it. He didn't want people to get confused on it. So yeah, that was yeah. good. Yeah, I really like how he obviously pointed everything back to the gospel, and I've been thinking about that a lot recently too of how. It really should be that way with almost every sermon of pointing it all back to the gospel. And I think Calvary does a really great job of that, um, just including the gospel in every single message. So he really made that the focus of our salvation, which it obviously is. So it's awesome. Yeah, Lee did an excellent job. I think uh, when you look at the Bible and just how deep the knowledge and depth of it can be, it can almost can seem overwhelming. But when he simplified it down to... You know, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. It's just, it's amazing. And it is a very basic, simple message and nothing that we can do. And just by belief only. And I thought he did a tremendous job and just praying for the hearts of those that heard it. It was a very powerful message. Yeah, there's a famous story I thought about when I was listening to the message of this theologian. And I don't even remember who it was, but I just love the story. And he was this great uh, theologian, wrote many books, right? Brilliant man, multiple doctorates. And kind of towards the end of his life, um, the person said, like, what have you concluded, like, in all of your research and all of, all of your knowledge? And he started to say, um, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And that was his answer. <laughs> and I remember thinking that was so cool, because you're like, here's a man who, who pursued knowledge and truth, but the foundational truth of his life was so simple, right, that it was a child. So. And it's true, right, that our salvation is one that is built on a clear um, Jesus is the way, and, and a child can understand it, and a brilliant man can understand it, and both are wrapped in both the mystery of it, but the truth of it. So I just had that story come to my mind. But guys, what, what are we saved from? So that's a question I think a lot of times we need to articulate, cer certainly to those that are not yet um, understanding what salvation is. Why do we need saved? If I asked you guys that question, what, what would be your answer to that? because of our sin that was one of the points like we separated ourselves from christ through sin well through the first man who sinned and then on to us so and that can't sin can't god can't reside with sin he can't be in, with anything that's not good so that was the problem we separated ourselves yeah and so what what about god's action towards sin would you say we're saved from then Right, if we place our faith in Jesus, what are we saved 
from if we didn't, right? What's the difference between saying, no, I, I trust in Jesus compared to one who doesn't trust in Jesus? Yeah, that eternal separation, you know, just uh, knowing that, um, you know, we are finite beings in uh, finite bodies with a um, infinite uh, life or uh, spirit, um, eternal spirit. So when that finite body's done, you know, God cares about our souls so much, he wants to redeem that and justify that and save that. And, you know, sending Jesus down to make sure that that happens by those that believe in him. Um, it's just a beautiful love story. Ultimately, it's his pursuit for our hearts and caring to spend eternity with us in union as opposed to separated. Um, yeah, and it's often, you know, often not talked about, but we're, well, we're saved from the wrath mm-hmm. of God, right? So biblically speaking, we deserve the wrath of God. And so that's so key in understanding our relationship with God in that, and I say this often when I teach, is justice would be the wrath of God, right? That's that's the reality of of who God is, His sovereignty, His glory. And so we're saved by that. We kind of first need to see ourselves um, needing to be saved, right? How do you guys think our culture responds to the idea of you needing a Savior, right? Just yeah. that in and of itself, being in a culture that says that we actually don't even have sin, that it's based on feelings. Um, how do you navigate that in reality to knowing that to be saved, you really do have to wrestle with your need for a Savior. What do you guys think about that? It's ironic because a lot of people don't want to be controlled by somebody else. And everything we do is, is controlled by the Lord, obviously, with free will. But He is the ultimate one in control. And giving up to control, giving up our control to Him is, is the best possible thing that we can do. Because He's such a loving, caring merciful God wants the best for us. And think about that, too, when you, uh, with people, you, you know, just in a simple example, you can go, you know, in the grocery store, you're walking, you see somebody who's struggling to do something, you look over and be like, hey, can I help you with that? And generally, most of the time, their answer is, no, I've got it. You know, they don't want help. And even though you're there, you see them struggling, you see the, you know, problem that they're in, you're offering help, and most people's, I mean, this happens all the time, they reject, and they don't want the help. And if you kind of you know, are you sure? And like trying to push it, they might give in, but they might dig in sometimes more and say no. So, you know, I think it's just natural for uh, mankind to really reject some sort of offer of help until they realize they're they're drowning. I mean, to the point where it could become the worst thing, and then they're absolutely open for to be, you know, saved at that point. But most of the time, if they're comfortable with what they're doing, I don't need to be saved. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. And he loves us so much that he's not gonna force his way, <laughs> you know, into our hearts. For, for us to receive him. You know, he's not going to push us if, if we don't want it. Yeah, I think brokenness, right, is so central to... Yeah, like that... It's tough, too, because we, we think we can save ourselves, and you have to get to a, po- a point where you realize you can't. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard place to get to in a world that says you can. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. the messages we hear all the time is chase your dreams, you know listen to your heart, all these things, but but really that's the lie of you don't need anybody. You got this, right? You're your own God. But re- I think salvation is to get to a place where you're like, no, I can't, I'm, I'm not enough, um, is so central to really understanding what salvation is. But do you guys see that salvation is sometimes misunderstood, maybe, um, even within Christians? What are some ways that salvation is misunderstood 
um, kind of giving you one just to kind of start us off. I think sometimes people see salvation as a ticket to heaven. Mm-hmm. If I say yes to Jesus, I get to heaven. Why is that not? Why does that not make promise that that person's actually saved? Does that make sense mm-hmm. for somebody to say, "Oh yeah, I'll, I'll say I believe in Jesus because I want heaven"? How is that a misunderstanding of what salvation is? Because he wants an actual relationship with you. Yeah. He wants you to get there and be like, "Ah yes, like I recognize you. You're gonna spend eternity with me." And I think, you know. A lot of times Christians can also fall into that. I go to church every Sunday and I'm, you know, I'm saved. I'm good just because I go to church. But at the same time, it's it's way more than just going to a building. It's that actual like personal, like loving, trusting, faithful relationship with him that he's after. He's not after anything surface level or anything like that, because he sent his son, his only son to die for us. So he deserves the most intimate relationship and not just an acknowledgement, you know? Yeah. I think, I think I've said this to you guys before. Uh, don't remember if it was on the podcast or not, but if you were to go to heaven with and get everything that you ever wanted, you know, that nice car, that nice house, the dream girl, like anything you could ever want, but not have Jesus, you would not be satisfied. Mm. Mm. So our drive and motivation to want to get to heaven is not to be walking just the streets of gold without Jesus alongside of us. It should be to have the full presence of Jesus with us, to know him fully and and love him fully. Yeah, how many people would place their faith and trust in Jesus if heaven wasn't promised? Mm -hmm. What do you guys think? Not many. (laughs) That would definitely... Lower the amount for sure. <laughs> but would it be worth it? Yeah. Is him today, having him in your life today, worth it, even if you weren't promised eternity? Because I think that, that shows your heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's deep. How many, how many of you would say there are many, because this is the thing in Scripture where, you know, you have that famous Matthew passage. Do you think there are many people in churches that aren't saved? Sadly, yeah. yeah. And what's the message to them? Let's say they're listening. What's the message to them? Whenever we talk about people in the church or um, people who know Jesus but aren't pursuing him with their heart, I always think of the Revelation passage, the terrifying Revelation passage, uh, an imagery of being spit out of his mouth and um, rejected coming before the Lord and, and him saying that he never knew us because we're lukewarm mm-hmm. um, and not just burning with passion and, and desire and committing our whole lives to him. That, <laughs> that terrifies me, but that's, that's honestly what I think of. And um, I think it is overwhelmingly present in the American church for sure. I think it's been Is it language? Down. Is it culture? Why, why, why do we get ourselves in this situation where our churches are filled with people who think they're saved, but they're not? Because that's a really hard, dangerous place to be. Mm-hmm. Is that a culture thing? Are we not challenging people's salvation? Let me ask you, is it healthy to challenge somebody's salvation? Like mm-hmm. to challenge it, you know, brother and sister in Christ? Or is that something that's seen as, you know, how dare you? 
because you're challenging Christ. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. to test, to see if you're saved is more, more of a challenge of their heart, right? Have you repented, right? Have you been transformed? I think these questions are key in understanding whether a person is truly saved or not. But as we mentioned earlier, there are so many people in the church that I think believe they're saved, uh, but they're really not. You know, they have these testimonies that are, I said a prayer, you know, when I was younger, and that was it, all that happened in my life. So what do you guys think about that? How do we speak into the lives of those people that are surrounding us? Um, that way we know for sure that that they're going to be in eternity with us, right? And we're not trying to lead them on to think that salvation is something that it isn't. Yeah. Um, one thing that Calvary does have, I appreciate is really being headstrong and going against the things of the world. Cause I think that's important for a lot of Christians, you know, more importantly, new Christians, but all Christians to hear that so that they can understand like, Oh, like these things I was doing, like, are actually against God's will. Because if you don't learn that and you don't hear that, you don't know what kind of background in Christianity that they have, that they just won't know and they'll continue to do things that aren't taking them um, closer with their walk with God. And they have a um, you know, misconception that just coming to church is re-sanctifying them every Sunday, you know, because, oh, I feel good. I sang some songs. I praise God. And now I get to go back into my week and, you know, just do my normal routine when in reality we come together to, you know, sharpen each other to go back out into the world and be able to fight those, you know, worldly tendencies. So I think it's important that, you know, people are learning and, and hearing even, you know, no matter how convicting it is, because it's going to hit all of us at some point, but just the things of the world that, you know, may on the surface we feel like is okay but are actually against god and it's just a trick of satan to make us feel like they're okay hmm. yeah. yeah so good eli um you know it, it's interesting as we talked last week about uh, sin and how adam and eve um not born into sin not created in sin and then see the fall from choices and now seeing what sin's doing whereas we do the opposite in life we start in sin and we're trying to work towards the opposite. So we have this work process that's out there. We see the world system that it shows it's a work. You have to build up to this. You have to educate yourself to this. You know, there's levels. You're constantly, you know, trying to get up to. And that worldly system, you know, Paul tears apart in Romans where he talks about don't be conformed to the patterns of this world and yet and renew your mind. And Christ, so when we completely reverse gears after all these years of training our minds one way, and now you're completely shifting and trying to work backwards. It's like a huge locomotion. You're trying to turn around now, put in the opposite direction, and it takes time. It takes work, and it takes this, you know, work on the heart, and it takes, you know, fellow believers being around you, looking at the fruits of these people's lives, and you know, if they're professing Christians, then there, there should be actions that follow and things that look like that, fruits in their lives. And if not, we have a responsibility to talk to each other, but navigating that water can be tricky because we don't want to be judgy, um, but we do want to reproof people and, and you know, help um, guide them in their walk, but doing that gently and lovingly. You know, how's that look? Sometimes that can be really tricky. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. I can think of times, early times in my faith when um, close friends were coming alongside of me and just pushing me in the right direction, speaking truth into my life and just telling me what I should and shouldn't be doing out of complete love but um 
were telling me the hard things and I, I you know I needed to hear them so it was really good and over and over in the Bible Jesus tells us how um, people aren't going to agree with everything that we say people aren't going to like everything we say and we just need to accept that mm-hmm. and still speak truth and love to people yeah there's a lot of um, debate and discussion about salvation in kind of theological circles and so there's like Arminian Calvinism you guys ever hear these these terms so you know things about the elect and and all of them are kind of centered around the idea that um, you know how do we receive salvation and the truth is right to that question is God is the one who saves us right he is the one who atoned for our sins in the person of Christ he is the one who gives us the spirit of God that transforms us I would argue he is the one who softens our heart to hear the gospel. And so here's a question. It's a little bit of a weird one, but I think from for Christians who are listening, you had this question in your mind, is there are people in our lives who have heard truth. They've heard the gospel. They've heard about Jesus. They've understood it intellectually, but they have not been saved. And there's always these things in the back of your mind where you're like, is God blinding them to salvation? Is there something about, you know, quote-unquote, the elect, where God's like, I'm going to make this make sense to some and not make sense to others? How do you guys live in that world? And what's your background there to say, like, I mean, I've met Christians so far as to say, well, God just doesn't want that person to say, he's blinded them, and so we just got to move on. That type of extreme to know, you know, everyone um, really wants to be saved. It's just a matter of, you know, telling the truth in a way that, allows it to penetrate the heart. Like, no, God wants them to be saved. Um, he wants everyone to be saved. Do you get what I'm saying? There's these tension, even in Christians, that say, no, let's just take everyone who God saved, and let's kind of get together, and we'll worship. And those that don't want to have Jesus, God doesn't want them. And, you know, there's an elect to know everyone, right? That's kind of the heart of evangelism. Everyone should be saved. And I think even Calvinists, extreme Calvinists, would argue, no, you're right, God wants everyone to be saved, but he he already has the book of life, right? Like, he already knows and so if somebody's going to reject the gospel, well, then just move on. You get what I'm saying? There's a little bit of that tension. Thoughts on that, guys? Just thoughts. We don't have to go deep into the theology of that, but just how even Christians see the heart transformation differently. Some maybe will give up earlier than others. And even our role in helping others come to know the Lord, right? Are we really needed in that, or are we maybe puffing ourselves up when it comes to the role of saving others? The whole predestination, free will conversation is... I think a big topic in the church and it can be hard to grasp, hard to follow. And and I'm guilty of kind of pushing it aside, veering away from it just because it's, it's (laughs) super confusing and beyond my comprehension. But uh, as believers, I think we should dive into these conversations more and discuss how this works. Yeah. I think, I think God, you know, he longs to have a relationship with all of us. And, you know, I think uh, he tells us, you know, his word will not come back to him void. Mm. So part of me is like, you know, and he does tell us, you know, he told the disciples, like, go out to the four corners of the world and tell people about me. So we are here to spread the word. But, you know, he also told so many apostles, like, if they just won't receive it, then you have to dust your feet. Because you you can't sit there and try to pound it in them because I don't do that i didn't do that to you i asked you to follow me and you did so since his word won't come back to him void if you know 
you're trying to share the gospel with somebody and they're completely rejecting it. Yeah. Part of me feels like it's because, you know, God hardened their heart because he knows that they're not going to do anything with that message. They're not going to, you know, uplift him. If, if anything, they're going to use it to try to go against Christianity mm-hmm. in ways. And that's why, I don't know, in my experience, when I get into conversations with non-believers who just, like, just want to go against Christianity for some reason, like, a lot of the stuff that they like the reasons that they have to go against it are just based in falseness and kind of ignorance because one, they don't read the Bible. They just, they're just angry and it doesn't like a lot of their points don't make sense. They just kind of angry and just want to go against it. So that's, that's part of that callousness, that hardness of the heart too. I feel like. Yeah. And my answer to, to my own question would be, it's so important to understand that God is the one who saves us. Because if that's true, we don't really know mm-hmm. whether a person is elect or not in the sense of mm-hmm. our actions towards them shouldn't change. Right. You know, our attitude towards them shouldn't change. Because we don't change the heart, we don't have the arrogance to kind of measure or not our effectiveness. It's, mm-hmm. it's we plant seeds and we move on. We plant seeds and we move on. And if God's watering them, we nourish and we support that. And that's where I would say we should have an attitude. And I think the reason, Adam, to your point, it's so worth having a conversation is there are people in our lives that aren't believers, that know the gospel. And do we give up on praying for them? And say, No, because I think God certainly wants to draw them in. There, there could be, to your point, Adam, there could be some hurdles there, probably for heart, right? But because God is able, I think we should always pray. And there's been testimonies of, of brothers and sisters in Christ who have been praying for friends for 40, 50 years. And continuing, I think that's the heart towards it, is you no know, God saves, he draws men, and he's able to do that at any time. So we shouldn't give up. But we should recognize that we don't have the capa- capacity to do anything about it in the sense of we don't change the heart, yeah. which is such a – what I love about that, but I don't like about it, is it always makes us dependent on God. <laughs> because imagine if we had the ability to save people. Think how arrogant and prideful we would take that gift. Yeah. you know. And so it's not our gift. It's not our ability. But we are vessels for the message, to your point. Um, but I would say because of that – and I don't think this is discussed enough, and I just wanted to go back to this a little bit. I think it is our responsibility to call people out who think they're saved and they're not. I think there's nothing more unloving to, to allow somebody to think they're saved and, and they're not. I, I mean that. And let me ask you guys this kind of question because I want to soften the topic a little bit. Can you recognize the Spirit in somebody else? The, the Holy Spirit. Oh, absolutely. Like, can you recognize? Because yeah. there's a little bit of this idea, like, I, in my life, I have found that I've met people, and I don't know if it's pride. It could be. It's probably a little bit. Or there's something where I'm like, they're not saved. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, and I kind of know. And I don't know why, because sometimes they even speak and they act like they are. But there's something inside of you, like, they don't know Jesus. And it's that spirit identifying like, I, I recognize the Holy Spirit in others by the way they think, by the way they see the world, mm-hmm. by the way they see themselves. Mm-hmm. Are you guys experiencing that same thing? What's your thoughts on that? Kind of recognizing and kind of being confident to say, no, this person's not saved. And kind of knowing that, not in an arrogant way, but just identifying, you know, the, the Spirit in them. What do you think? Definitely. I, I, like, I can think of a bunch of times where I was just, like, at a restaurant or something, and the waiter or waitress just had this, like, radiance yeah. of the Holy Spirit off I know exactly them. what you mean. And like, that girl knows Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and there's yeah. no doubt in my mind yeah. that that girl knows Jesus. And it's almost like a, 
Holy Spirit to Holy Spirit yes. connection type Very thing. Cool. But then um, on the flip side, like you can tell when someone is walking in sin and doesn't know the Lord because yeah. again, you can you just have the Holy Spirit to discern that and yeah. mm-hmm. and understands what it looks like to walk with the Lord. Yeah, like I think about me growing up in churches and all you know all different denominations and I I just distinctly remember. And now looking back on it, I know it was the Lord giving me the spirit of discernment. Yeah. And I just remember either it would be teachers, it would be deacons, like, you know, pre- preachers that would come in or even just, you know, people that were part of the church. But it was just like I just knew it was like, okay, I cannot hang on to the words of this person. Mm. And, like, I don't know, God is telling me just to keep my distance, you know. Mm. And And he would even, you know, it's it's weird because God will reveal certain things about those people's character, especially in the church, especially yeah. the people who are playing church and playing yeah. Christian. Because it it says it is like, and at least in my experience, it happens way more often than you would think. And I don't know. I just remember being a young kid and God really guided me through that and kind of guided my mind and you know keeping me protected in a lot of situations. Because I, I, you know, I'll think about something somebody said to me or tried to teach me when I was younger. And then what I know now from reading the Bible, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, why were they trying to tell me that? And so, yeah. And I, and I do believe that the Lord is definitely um, guiding young kids like that, too, that grow up in church. Because yeah. he has to. Because, you know, you don't. You know, like you said, you don't always know the heart of who's teaching your kids. Yeah. Like you can see what they're teaching them, the curriculum and all that, but you don't always know the heart and kind of what's trying to be rubbed off on your kids. So I do believe that the Lord is definitely protecting the little ones when it comes yeah. to that. What about you, Nate? You have a Holy Spirit sightings? Can you do that? <laughs> yeah, you know, um, that's when you were saying uh, with the goggles, I think was that last week or two, and the angels yeah. when you are yeah. like, wouldn't it be neat if we could just put the goggles yeah. on? and um, you know, that's kind of what the Holy Spirit does for us is that, you know, we have the spiritual eyes as much as we might not have them as often as we want them. Um, those moments when you feel that nudge, the Holy Spirit um, either calling you or telling you to say something or step up or acknowledge something with somebody, you know, that, that's such a good feeling, first of all, to be reassured, like, man, you got resurrection power living inside of you. And like to feel that, you know, um, it's, just, it's a huge blessing. But then when you're interacting with individuals, it kind of is a double-edged sword because you're using that to discern in a conversation or situation with somebody, and then you see that they don't have fruit there. And now you're convicted to try and, you know, call them out for that. Um, And, you know, I think all of us have um, the will to want to do that. I think the delivery is usually where we all differ. And some people are much better at delivering that. I will say I'm usually a little harsh uh, on that. Um, (laughs) But it is something we have to work on. I mean, at uh, a conference we just went to, they talked about one of the greatest attributes of Jesus is his gentleness. And truly in that gentleness that he have so many come and come, you know, uh, felt just drawn to him. And that's the same thing. You know, one of our um, attendees here always says the aroma of Christ. And when we exude that, you know, other people are attracted right to that. And also those that aren't walking in union with the Spirit, you know, the Spirit's 
desires are not in accordance with the flesh and the flesh not according. I think you can then see and you, you know yeah. people that are then rejected because their flesh is like, I don't want to come near that. It doesn't, it's not a aroma. It's pleasing to me. So do you, and we'll wrap up here soon, but I, I want to keep on this topic because I feel like sometimes I feel alone even in the church with this because <laughs> I, I think like when the spirit of God and, and he has grown in me, like just his, his lordship in my life over the years, certainly I'm not, I'm not fully sanctified. No one, none of us are. But as he's grown in me and, like, my hunger for truth and, like, I love Jesus. Like, I love him and I love the pursuit. I found myself being righteous, like, righteous anger. I found myself growing in that, mm. which is really weird. So, like, there, there are times with this topic, for example, of teaching and, like, salvation. How do you guys handle when you're in an environment where the person who's teaching is not teaching truth? And you know that it can affect somebody's ability to know Jesus. Mm. I cannot, oh, I cannot handle that. <laughs> and 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 when I hear stories yeah. of you know conferences and whatever where somebody's not present, I'm like, I am so grateful that I'm not there, because there's this weird thing where you're like, I would have flipped out, probably stood up and said things. But is that my pride? Right. Is that or is it is it that big of a deal that if somebody's deceiving others? Teaching a false gospel. No, no, no. At that moment, man, you, because that's not you. It's like, no, no, the message, mm -hmm. the spirit of God is going to be like, because, because I know Jesus, there's a flipping of table moment. (laughs) But when, how, and, and man, that is tough because there are times where, to your point, Elijah, that's got me thinking, Mm -hmm. where I hear something and I know the people I love are hearing that too. And I'm like, I need to stop this. Whether it's a movie, right, or a political ideology that I know takes them away from truth, and I'm just like, "Holy cow, am I going to be that jerk who's just screaming at everyone?" Because then it's like, I'm, I don't want to be legalistic. I don't want to make things matter that don't matter, but sometimes they really do matter. Mm. And if you allow for sheep to be deceived by a false shepherd, right, you know, like, oh my, and so that's a tension point in my life where. I feel like I'm a, I'm a little bit more growing in righteous anger, but then I don't want to become that bitter guy that's like, oh, sins of the world, you know, oh, dad, you know, that type of guy. So anyway, guys, have you felt that tension at times and where you're yeah, like, this is such a big deal? My, yeah, my spirit big. is like screaming right now. Yeah, it's, and this is hard being young and feeling that yeah. and being like under all these people. And it's like I would try to say something or like bring up a question and they were like, Oh, you need to be careful. And it's like, what? Yeah. I'm, trying what? To, <laughs> I'm like trying to understand where you're coming from on this angle. And like, yeah, I've definitely felt that anger. It just, but for me, it was hard to be in a position to say anything because everybody around you's like way older, and you know. Yeah. But I, like I said, like at those moments, I just had to be like, okay, I know what God is saying, and I know how to read for myself, and. If it's not matching up with what I'm reading or it's this false interpretation, then at that moment in time, like, I had to just run with what I felt like the Lord was telling me because yeah. I was around, you know, older people who just wasn't going to listen to me and yeah. were going to try to make me think the way that they were teaching. And it's, But, like, because <laughs> I think Jesus sometimes, though he's seen as a softy, wasn't a softy. Mm-hmm. And like, and what I mean by that is, he, what in this topic, he was not. Mm. He did not care if it hurt your status. Truth mattered more. Like yeah. the gospel mattered more. Who he was mattered more. 
And I think of Peter all the time because Peter was probably so fearful of the Pharisees. But then, but then Peter in Acts, dude, he was calling oh. out mm. the hypocrisy fearlessly. And it's that type of thing where you're like, oh, I, okay, God, you've given me this, like, this thing that is I'm stewarding. And my children are going to hear these messages. You know, it's like, and that's a little bit of that tension of, you know, the false gospel that tends to be, the enemy tends to put into all these small conversations. But no, salvation matters, truth matters, faith, the grace, you know, these things matter. And so I kind of wanted to end on that world because I think for us, salvation is a big deal because we need to make sure that we are sharing the right story in passionately telling that story in a way that's not subjective, right? It's not a, there's many ways to be saved. Like that should never come out of our lips. And I just read this morning, uh, the guy was posting about all these religious leaders and he was saying that, you know, Gandhi said that I'm not the way, right? And Muhammad said, seek the truth. And all these religious leaders are asking the questions of like where to find it. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, so that becomes, no, 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 salvation is through Christ. And we need to be very clear, very bold on that truth and uncompromising, uncompromising. So if it's they like us or they hear that, they hear that. Mm. I'm popular or I share that, I share it, right? Like, the message of salvation is more important than anything else because that message changes lives. And I would say, I'm kind of preaching here, but I think truth sounds different. So don't soften it. Don't like water it down for people. Like truth sounds different. It's received differently. And I don't know about you, but there are times where I'm like, to your point, Adam, that person is speaking truth. That's the spirit of God. And we should never compromise on that for culture. We should never change the gospel to fit culture. It's like, no, salvation is through Christ alone, and we need to shout that now more than ever. And so I preach a little bit. Guys, final thoughts about salvation? Yeah, we didn't talk about trying to earn our salvation that much, but I just don't ever want to try and earn what he's freely given me, but I want to rest in what he's freely provided. Just thank you. <laughs> thank you, God, for the cross. and for what he's done for us and who he's been to us. It's, Good, it's such a blessing. Man. I just want to focus on that. Yeah. You are saved. Mm. You're not becoming saved, right? You are saved. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, the, um, one thing that just kept coming, you kind of alluded to it, John, a message I've heard in a majority of my life is the truth hurts. Mm. You know, when you tell people, and when I say truth, I mean like re the real truth and not perceived truth or created truth biblical truth is hard for people to embrace because it's going to be completely destructive to their current standard of comfort. And so when this truth starts coming in um, to their lives, you know, this is, you, we're talking about people that speak false um, messages, you know, this is why James says not many should be preachers. You know, it's tough. And you know, I was just recently at a event where we did have somebody preaching a false doctrine and it was detrimental to the room, but then seeing the rallying of those who did have the Holy Spirit, mm. who destroyed that false narrative, so came together as a large body of a uh, huge diversity, but then under one common theme of the mm. cross so was amazing. That's and th that's when you see the Holy Spirit working and active, and you don't need to have any sort of visual 
evidence, you see it in the fruits of these people and then what's coming out of their mouths and then That's their so actions. Mm-hmm. Elijah, thoughts? Yeah. Um, so when it comes to teaching, uh, you know, I'll keep this quick, but I just want to have a lot of respect for my dad, who was a preacher. And uh, when he would get up in the pulpit, I would, you know, see the spirit like over overwhelm him. Mm. And, like mm. he would, his messages would be about things of his life and that things I knew he was dealing with. Mm. And you know, I could see the spirit just like filling him up and just it's okay. he could he could he would you know he would say something and he'd be like, I don't think y'all know I'm talking to myself <laughs> like, like like and that's what you're saying like when truth is sharp and it cuts yeah. and. To be able to get up there and you know, be vulnerable and but still telling truth of like, no, this is what we're dealing with as mm-hmm. people, and you know, let people see that you know, as a minister, it's it's important to your congregation. It's important to know that, um, you know, we have salvation, but this Christian walk like it's it's tough, and we have to be fighting daily. So. Yeah, sanctification, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Salvation is the start of mm-hmm. you becoming more and more like Christ. T.S. Eliot said, um, Jesus is either Lord of your life or you're lost. Mm. So that's like, and it's, it kind of goes back to that, like, Lord, like, salvation is surrender mm-hmm. or you're not yeah. saved, yeah. right? So it's like, salvation isn't a contract. It's not a, that's why I go back to that, get heaven. It's not a, God doesn't become your genie, which I think a lot of people think salvation is. Oh, great, I get forgiven and I get all these benefits. It's like, no, salvation is like lordship, it's surrender, it's it's turning, right? It's all these things we talked about the last couple of weeks. Um, but I would say the message of the gospel is what penetrates the heart. It's what transforms, it's what saves. Christ is the only way to God. And so, guys, we're going to wrap up and just, let's say a prayer. I'd like to end with a prayer. Elijah, could you just pray for everyone listening that yeah. um, that they would place their faith and trust in Jesus alone for their salvation? And if they haven't already, maybe this is the time they would join us in this prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for giving us this platform to reach your people. I pray that these um, thoughts and messages and just all this focus on you would go out and touch the ears and hearts of people that it's meant for. I pray that we would all know that our salvation lies only in you and for anyone that that hasn't said that i pray right now that we just confess that you are lord that you came and died on the cross for our sins and that you want us to have everlasting life and i pray that um that we would just seek you daily and seek to have a closer walk with you daily and not just have a surface level relationship with you and i pray that um, you would surround us by our brothers and sisters and you so that we can continue to sharpen each other and and pray for each other whenever we need it. And just thank you for these and many other blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Take care, guys.